Exhumed tea today. I like the vibe. Got brand new Exhumed out, man. So I listened to it this morning. I listened to 16 and Exhumed back to back. This is a good day. This morning. It's a good day. It wasn't bad at all. No, no. I have to say, I like the gruesome tunes more than I like the exhumed tunes on that record. Really? I did. I, I haven't I haven't spent enough time with them yet to really choose which one I prefer, but I am a big big fan of both bands, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I didn't dislike either one, but I I maybe I was just more surprised by the gruesome, like they were very good and it's yeah. is always good, you know. So it's it's weird to me that gruesome is as awesome as they are when all they're doing is aping an old band. Like, just well, just rehashing death shit is better than a lot of, of new original death metal bands that I hear. Like, way better. So, yeah. that says something. You're stoked for today. I am. I am ridiculously stoked for today. Today is uh, gonna get awkward, probably. I'm gonna do my best to not break down and start crying. No, I'm just fucking with you. I'm here, dude. I, I, can, I can hold it together. <laughs> I got you. It's a, it's a 16 is really fucking cool, man. I was, you know, I was totally unaware of them before you brought them to my attention. It is. And that's, they're, they're an awesome band. And that to me is one of the most like criminal aspects of their legacy is like just how awesome they are, just how influential they are, but how slept on they are at the same time. Like so many people who love this kind of music do not know this band. And uh, that is just unjust. There's no way around it. Is the, huh? So let's go. I'm excited. Yes, let's go. Our guest today is the founder, guitarist, songwriter, and now vocalist of long-running Sludge Metal Kings and Relapse Records recording artists coming to us all the way from sunny California is Mr. Bobby Ferry. Boom. He's awesome. The new 16 record just came out today. It's called Dream Squasher, June 5th. This is the date that we're recording this podcast. Uh, and happy release day to him and to the band. Man. Absolutely. It's. It, I love that we're doing this on the release day. Yeah, I know. I wasn't sure if we'd be able to get a hold of him or not. Yeah, he's probably busy doing like more important press. Yeah, I know. <laughs> guys. Well, I, I wanted to give this podcast, you know, my best ability. So I listened to a lot of 16 just this week. I listened to this that playlist you made quite a bit, shuffling through. I went through and listened to their first record. When a, when a new record comes out from a new band that I've never heard of, I kind of like to go back and listen to their first one and then listen oh, yeah. to their newest one and compare it. And I mean, I think this one's world's better. Oh yeah. That's their, their first record's got a couple of gems on it, man, but you can tell it was definitely a time they, they were putting that style together when there wasn't really that much of a blueprint for it, you know? Right. Uh, and so there's some rough stuff on there, but there are a couple, that title track I absolutely love. And then the cover of a song called hate that's on there is also really good. People out there in podcast land. Yeah. Um, you too are not familiar with 16 you can find the uh the spotify list that zach just mentioned uh that i put together of just like sort of essential 16 songs um if you go to the death drive 90.5 that's my radio show that i host if you go to that spotify page you'll be able to find that there and i updated the death comes lifting playlist with uh with a tune of 16s on there so excellent people will know we're gonna sprinkle in the we're gonna spread the love got to man what about you what have you been listening to besides the obvious a whole lot of yeah the obvious a whole lot of 16 still on a cryptopsy kick i've been listening to uh gore guts a lot the last right. few days i'm not really sure why i got like a wild hair up my ass to, to go back to them but uh 
I, I don't think that I gave their last EP as much time as I should have. And so I've been listening to that a lot. And then, of course, I ended up going back to the old classic stuff and listening to that a lot, too. Dude, Gorgot's fucking rules, dude. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Those first two records are, like, a lot more listenable, I think, because they're a lot more straightforward. Then you get to Obscura, which is just a batshit insane record. It is. But, uh, you know, it, solid band all the way through. Luke LeMay is on, uh, that's how you pronounce his last name, right? LeMay? It might be a little Pretty bit sure, yeah. than that. Um, he's on a, a Curian's uh, debut on Redefining Darkness. The uh, He's on a few tracks. He helped compose like one like pretty, uh, I think like the 11-minute track on there. Yeah. Badass. He's, a, he's like a master musician. Yeah, but if you got dudes from Gorguts and Cryptopsy on your record, you got a fucking good thing going. I, I I enjoy what I've heard from the Acurion record. I haven't picked it up quite yet. I actually I ended up going with the Tombstoner instead with with what money that I have to spend. Nice. Uh, but yeah, which also fucking rules. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to to diving deep into the Acurion record once I buy a copy of it. Yeah, you definitely should. I'm 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 rallying to have them release it on vinyl, but you never know how that goes. Yeah, it seems like a uh, it seems like a difficult time right now with you know not necessarily knowing what's going on with the producing facilities and I'm sure a lot of the bigger uh, record labels are sort of eating up all the productivity that the that the pressing plants have amongst them. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's crazy, man. I don't know. We went we went green today officially here. That's why I'm wearing my green Godzilla hat because we're tell free. me tell me what you mean by that. I don't you don't know what going green means. Yeah, uh, yeah but I mean tell everybody what that everybody means. what going green means. We finally are, are are free as a society here in the Puritan wastelands of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Allegheny County. We're green. We're back to normal society. The gyms are open. Yep, I got my real job back, kind of. But. How have you been in yet since they've reopened? No, just today. I, I don't go in until Monday, so I got the weekend. But Hopefully they iron, out the, they iron out the chaos before you have to go back in. Yeah, that's what I, I'll just infiltrate and cause more chaos, bro. My, uh, they, you know, they reopened the gyms and shit here. I guess, I guess it's been like a week ago now, and yeah. my wife went yesterday. Uh, I'm still a little bit freaked out by it, but she is more resilient than I am. She went yesterday, and I was expecting it would be like, crazy like with like a line out the door or whatever but she said there was like next to nobody there like maybe 10 people not including the the workers and oh, wow. uh, they had like every other machine shut down so or, or like roped off so that you couldn't be like on a treadmill or whatever yeah. be one treadmill yeah. between each person running so that That's way probably you what we're gonna do probably i mean it seems like a good idea you know i understand that we've got to move on and we've got to get whatever semblance of real life we can get back for the sake of people's sanity but also for the sake of uh, business being done but hopefully do it uh, do that in a way that's safe that's what i'm talking about we're here to help anyway 16 the band is waiting we're gonna admit him into the waiting room right now we're gonna Please do, do. It. yeah we're going to uh, we got a welcome to the show uh introduced a little while ago mr bobby ferry from 16 coming all the way to us from sunny california uh, Bobby, I'm Schuler. I know that you and I have, have sort of corresponded before, and I'm here with uh, Zach. Zach runs Death Comes Lifting. Thank you for hey, doing this, man. Of course. Sorry, there's someone at my door right now. Okay. Uh, do you need uh, to get off? Uh, no, no, no. I, I think it's just a package. Uh, I actually think it's the boxes of our new record. So. Do you need there to grab anybody runs off with it? 
No, no, I live in the burbs. I'm All sorry. right. <laughs> well, like before we get started, man, let's let's go ahead and sort of get the awkward shit out of the way. Bobby, you and I have have corresponded online off and on for a few years now, but this is the first time we've ever actually spoken. I uh, just wanted to say, man, that the music that you have made with 16 has absolutely been a soundtrack to some of the lowest uh, and highest moments of my twisted, loopy-ass journey through life. Just want to thank you so much for that and uh, tell you how happy it makes me that the band is still going and still absolutely killing it. Thank you. Thank you. Today, we, uh... Is, uh, today is the release day for your brand new record, Dream Squasher. Congratulations. How you feeling? Good. Yeah, we sold out of the colored vinyl, so that's more than I can ever hope for. That's awesome. Um, People love <clears throat> vinyl, man. I uh, know. They, I think they love the inconvenience of it, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, they love the inconvenience <laughs> of it. Like the, it's, uh, the more obnoxious the format, the more people seem to cling to it, I think. So you've got the, <laughs> the sets are back. Yeah, pretty soon they're going to have fucking wax cylinders coming out in limited editions. Paper piano rolls. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Well, one yeah. of the things that, uh, that me and Zach were talking about before you got on the call, um, and one of the things that I continuously mention whenever I write about or talk about 16, which I've, I've been doing for a number of years now, is just sort of the slept on status of your band. And we are, uh, for a band as as influential, uh, as legendary in certain circles, and as long-running as you guys are. Um, do us a favor and tell us a little bit about the band's history for the people who are listening. Um, well, we started in, I think, 1991. Uh, we called ourselves 16 in 1992. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, we're not as really as old as some of the younger bands <laughs> as far as the people uh so we started this when we were so young i mean i might have been 17 or 18 at the time yeah uh and just you know full of bravado going to shows and we wanted to to join in so i uh, given that that's that long ago uh, of course, you know, a number of people have moved in and out of the creative space. Um, I, I like to think of it almost like this band is just something that a, a group of friends have and pass around and someone inherits it. Uh, you know, there's there's been times when, uh, I mean, I've played on every single recording, but there was a time in like early maybe 2003 where um, I really couldn't be in the band. Uh, my wife was having a baby. I was uh, working some job like far away from the band. And so the band toured with, without, without me uh, or without any members that had played or that uh, were the original members. So it was like there was, and then those guys, you know, went on to other bands. So I guess for almost the, the COC status of things where, you, you know, guys travel the country playing wild you know. worried collection of individuals and you guys so the after that um that was the last the, the the tour that you weren't on that was the last one before the band officially broke up for a while right yeah yeah um you know like phil vera who plays in trappist and uh despise you yeah he kind of he inherited it at that point and uh he I uh, took it on an East Coast tour uh, and went to Japan with Unsane 
and then he put it to bed. And then like two years later, uh, we just kind of resurrected it for uh, what we thought was one show. And then we're just like, well, we might as well just keep on doing this, you know? Um, <clears throat> so it's, you know, it, it almost is propelled by its own motion. This is pretty cool, man. And you mentioned Phil, he produced the new record, correct? Uh, no, um, he did. We did some vocal recording at his studio. Uh -oh. Oh, okay. Um, the actual producer, if we had to have one, uh, uh, I'd say is our guitarist, Alex. He uh, brings some, uh, a lot of song craft to the table. Yeah, so if, if, if we had to have a producer, I'd say, you know, it's him. But we've never, I mean, only once in our life did we ever work with an outside engineer. That was Alex Newport. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's also kind of a big deal in his own right. Um, is is Fudge Tunnel a big a big band for you? Yeah, totally. I mean, we we heard uh, around the same time, like Fu Manchu was just playing local gigs. Yeah. In in Orange County, and so we were definitely fans of them. I mean, I probably saw the first couple Fu Manchu shows. And in that era, it was, you know, Fudge Tunnel, uh, Hate Song, the E minor came out. And we were like, okay, so now we tune the guitars like this. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> Not the only ones to get that idea either, man. It was such an influential record and still, like, so relevant today, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, can I interject here for a minute? Yeah, please do. Like, hang on. <laughs> well, well, first of all, what's up, Bobby? Thanks for doing this, man. That's awesome. Um, so I'm coming from a totally different perspective in Schuler, which I feel like will give this podcast a pretty interesting uh, perspective, is that I didn't know much about 16 really at all until Schuler brought you guys to my attention a few weeks ago. And uh, I've been listening to you for the last probably two weeks in preparation for this podcast, especially today. I like to get, when a band puts out a new record, I like to go back and listen to the early shit and then kind of go back and forth. And um, objectively, I think this record is easily the best one. Um, I mean, it's just, it sounds very uh, powerful and um, there's a lot going on. And um, you mentioned you started this when you were so young. So I guess my question is like, how do you keep the uh, creative juices flowing and like the vibe alive so strong? So I guess late into your career. Uh, you know, you do this by never looking back. As soon as you record it, it's dead to me. And you keep, I'm continually inspired by new music. So as a strong music uh, consumer, I mean, this is our, I always think that music has become our religion. Like, uh, you know, I mean, what kind of solace do you get from your headphones nowadays? Uh, and so, you know, I work, I work a, a job where I can wear my headphones all day. So I'm just consuming, consuming and records. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm uh, one of the members that are, or not members, uh, members of the music community, I guess, or consumers that you just can't make enough music for me because I just want to take in as much as possible. So <clears throat> what propels it forward is that in continued enthusiasm uh, you know, and also you got to question your motives. Like, like I always say, like the people who are, were into music for money are long gone. Yeah. They're, they're totally gone, right. you know? So this is nothing 
but sacrifice and dedication because, you know, we, we fucking love it. And I love, you know, going to shows. I love checking out brand new bands. I love it all, you know, going on tour, hanging out. I love going to practice. So it's the, the motives, I think, have to be completely pure to propel something forward uh, because what else is there? I mean, I mean, I'm going to have to live. Sometimes I don't revisit songs till like t 10 years later. I mean, we play them live and stuff like that, but someone will be like, you guys ever play this one? I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, we'll play that one. You know? I would so, be a guy probably. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, really, really investigate why you do things. And, and like I say with us, like, you know, like uh, the, the singer left uh, recently, but it wasn't a big deal. It was just like, you know, slowly someone kind of withdraws creatively and they don't have the spark. So they're free to go. Right. Uh, and, you know, and it's just uh, who, you know, the old music business adage is follow the talent or follow the inspiration. It's like, we're just going to continue putting in the work. Um, you know, not every song is good. Uh, so you got to throw some away and you just propel things forward out of the getting to work. Just create cool. some damn riffs, write some songs, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. That, 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 that passion shines through, man. That's what, that's inspiring, man. That's uh, we always say the best shit just comes from fans and you're, you can tell you're just a fan of just all types of music just because there's, there's so much going on in like a 16 record that like, I kind of have trouble, uh, like pinning you guys down. Is that intentional? Is that just your style? No, there's never, I like to say there's never an intention or anything predetermined. Everything nice. is a, a vomiting out of, of songs. Cool. And like I said, not all of them are good. You got to totally accept that. So you just kind of get as many in the, in the bucket as you can, uh, you know, tickets, yeah. tickets to the show. Yeah. Um, well, and since you since you mention it, you know, I've 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 done my best to be a good online detective here and either I have failed or there's just no info out there on this. But, you know, in addition to your guitar playing and songwriting, the only other constant across this band's entire discography uh, is the presence of of Chris Giroux on vocals. Uh, can we talk just a minute about that sort of his status within without the band? I know you said that sort of the creative spark left and so he he bounced and I think that's definitely admirable on everybody's part, but uh, I am curious about sort of the structure of the record, uh, Dream Squasher, the new record in which, you know, he's on there in places. Um, I want to talk about your vocals on there here in a little bit, which are fucking awesome. Um, but sort of what was the process of the record coming together like and how much was he kind of involved? If you don't mind talking about that. Um, he sang on about half. Uh, you know, there's, there's not, um, not every song is kind of within his abilities uh, and he admits that freely. And so I just stepped in. I mean, it's almost like with his encouragement, I stepped to the mic because he was always wanting me to sing backup or sing something here or do this. And then it was just like, he just passed the whole thing to me. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, his status is he just basically retired, you know, he just wants to work his job and uh, not continually, uh, disrupt his life with you know even though you know we might go on tour for like two or three weeks it's it's disruptive to the types of jobs he has and can keep so um, 
you know, like I say, like he dedicated a, a, a lot and was into it for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like, you know, this, this isn't a, a business like in a traditional sense, like we don't operate on a profit and loss of balance sheet. I mean, this is a, this is conceptualized and executed as art. Uh, so that's why we go back to our motives. Um, you know, and, and I always believe if you keep that there, then everything else kind of happens on its own. And I've been right. So, to, so far, yeah. I don't owe, I don't owe anybody hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything like that. Uh, so, you know, we operate with no debt. The band is, uh, to use business terms, we're very scalable, uh, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe in any debt at all. Anything we can do on our own, we do on our own. Uh, you know, all the ideas come from us and I rarely even tell people what to play because I, I want to hear the conviction in their playing. Mm -hmm. uh, and we kind of arrive at consensus musically and Chris just didn't, you know, get in, to that uh, mode due to some external forces, but also, you know, I mean, what he does is hard on him physically. Uh, he doesn't do like the false chord screaming or whatever. I mean, yeah. he literally screams his brains out uh, yeah. and, and live. He was doing that too. And it's like, man, you're going to have a stroke. So, uh, you know, it's probably best that, you know, you, I mean, like we didn't even have a discussion about it. We don't have band meetings. We don't do anything like that. It's if you want to show, cool. If you don't want to show, then that's cool too. You know, it's it's, uh, fucking, it's so dope to me that like hearing all of this from you is sort of just sort of like reinforcing the way that I always imagined it was in my head. I was uh, I've always thought <laughs> like this band just kind of unfolds organically, and that's why you get so much. Uh, variation from one record to the next and you know another of, of uh, the uh, aspects that have that have changed sort of not necessarily on purpose but maybe just as things have unfolded have been the production and so you, you know you, you say that it's important that you guys run within like a uh, a no debt budget which I think is really awesome and I think it's really cool that you could do that in in this day and age but you mentioned earlier that uh, if you had if you had to say that there was a producer of the record it would be Alex now this is his is this, this is his first time playing on a record with you guys, but have you been involved with him in the past before? No. Um, you know, after our last record, um, I was doing more backup vocals uh, on that record, on the lifespan of a moth. And then it was like, you know, like, I know where my abilities lie. I'm a good riff writer and a, a decent, uh, decent, vocalist in the context but i definitely don't have any lead playing skills uh no matter how hard i've tried um it's you know and it's you want to delegate so i ran an ad on craigslist and i made it as ambiguous as possible i said you know i you know influenced by like high on fire sleep or and then must have a passport and he was literally the only guy that wasn't a fucking criminal uh, <laughs> you know that that could like leave you know everybody else is like man i fucking love you guys but i got a felony and i can't leave you know and it's like so and uh and and, he, and he's 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 cool uh you know the first time I, I had him out he had learned 
you know, like half the tunes. And then we talked about all this kind of obscure, well, not, I mean, not, maybe not obscure to you guys, but obscure kind of death metal, uh, like uh, <clears throat> uh, Gorefest is a, okay. a band that I, I really liked Gorefest false. And, and he was like, oh yeah, I saw him. Uh, and, you know, I traveled to Europe to see them. And I was like, well, this is the guy. Yeah. You know, I, I like texted, I texted Chris at the time. I'm like, yeah, he likes Grave, uh, Grave, Soulless, and Gorefest False. So this is the dude. And we're not, we're not going to tell him. You know, we want to be like a biker gang and not, you got to hang around us first before we're going to let you in our club uh, and, you know, see how he acts drunk and <laughs> under, under duress and the suffering of, of sometimes touring before we made him an official member. Um, but then he, he came to the table with a lot of good, like do it yourself production skills yeah. that I had, but he was definitely above my level. Um, so like, you know, we do a lot of things on our own recording guitars at home, you know, demoing things all on our own. And then, so we come to, when we go to spend money, we're uh, efficient. Uh, you know, we're not steely Dan waiting for three months to find a, a nice chair to sit in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ooh, um, I, I I feel like I'm gonna dominate this, Zach. Anytime you want to jump in, man, please let me know. You're doing, you're doing a great job, man. I'm just Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm enjoying it. But um, I am. Uh, I, so I am curious, Bobby. You say that a lot of the newer stuff that you listen to sort of feeds back into your passion for music. What are some of the some of the more recent bands that you're into? And then after you after you talk about that. Uh, tell us sort of what the old stuff that you still listen to that still keeps you jazzed is, you know? Um, geez, what newer stuff? I mean, I, you know, I mean, there's so much new good stuff. There's, you know, there's Watain, there's Gohira, there's the big, you know, those big bands. Uh, and there's a bunch of other kind of, there's this band from, I think Salt Lake City called The Ditch and the Delta that I like. Uh, you know, and uh, I like Primitive Man. We toured with them. Yeah. And I, I really like that kind of all-encompassing just onslaught that they do. Um, and the older stuff, I mean, I'm the type of guy that, like, if I liked it once, I like it now. Yeah. Like, no shame involved. There's no guilty pleasures. There's just pleasure. So, you know, anywhere from, like, freaking everything, I mean, Things that were important in my youth, like a bunch of hardcore, bad brains. Uh, you know, I grew up in LA, so Jane's Addiction was a big band in high school for like everyone. Uh, the Cult, I like just you know the the first wave of earache, uh, death metal, uh, you know, Entombed, uh, you know, Napalm Death. I, I like just it it all. Um, this. And there's a bunch of really good uh, LA hardcore at that time. Uh, no comment, uh, despise you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, spaz uh, things. Those guys are always super. Uh, their sense of humor was amazing, but also their uh, their work ethic of just like cranking out tunes. Yeah, you know, two riffs make it a song. Next, two riffs make it a song. Next, you know, uh, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. I like a lot of that stuff. I'm not a big fan of uh, post things with long, long songs. Uh, Neurosis is the only one who gets that pass for me, and I'll sacrifice my time. But if you know, I mean, 
I'll just listen to Highway to Hell or something, and every song's three minutes, and I'll be stoked. I will say that's what I totally appreciated about you guys getting uh, into your music is like a 30 minute listening experience on a record is like dope as fuck to me. Like, you know, like a couple minute song, like that's all you need. You're not trying to like recreate the wall. And I totally appreciate that about you. Yeah. Like I I always say, like, it's, uh, you know, it's a band. It's not a cure for cancer. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, like, like let's like, don't bore us, get to the chorus, you know, like a few people, you know, I mean, what I'm saying not to discount anybody does that because like, I mean, Yob or Neurosis can have an hour of my time, but anyone else, I'm a tough sell. There's yeah. only so many hours in the day and I'd, I'd rather hear 20 minute and a half songs uh, that get to the point mm-hmm. than to kind of make me wait. That's, and that's personal, but uh you know you like what you like man i mean yeah yeah absolutely and that i think that like what gets your gets hooks into you like i said when your brain is soft when you're young it's typically there forever yeah you know so everything i mean i just sit around i have an office in my house and there's just amps and stacks of records and it's just kind of this is me well, you, you mentioned earlier uh, maybe getting out and doing some live shows sometime in the future, emphasis being on the future, uh, because the state of the world is absolute fucking chaos right now. So what, what all's going on in, in your life right now, man? How have things changed for you since the apocalypse? Very, very little. Um, nice! I'm pretty lucky. Um, you know, uh, I... Uh, I mean, it turns out that half the shit we were doing collectively, we didn't have to do. Uh, you know, I was driving an hour each way to an office for a job that I could just do at home in front of a monitor. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Um, my my wife was like, so, so we didn't, you know, we fared, we weren't caught flat-footed. Um, you know, my uh, my wife can work from home. Uh, she's an elementary school teacher, so I don't know how effective I don't know how effective teaching seven year olds online is, but uh, they're still paying her, and I'm still getting paid. Uh, so you know it changed. Of course, we want to be playing shows because really the how we run this band is selling vinyl and black t-shirts live. Yes, uh, you know that pays for the practice space. And that really funds recordings if we can get ahead of it. Yeah. So like I said, um, but you know, people, our fans are, uh, like I say, like we don't have a lot of fans, but we, we've, we don't build a fan base. We narrow a fan base down to true people that are willing to spend like a hundred dollars on merch yeah. and those, and that works, that totally works for us. Uh, and if that means smaller, a smaller audience, but more dedicated audience, then cool. Uh, I'll take any audience. But um, so that's, you know, the, the whole virus and unrest. Uh, and again, these are like, like I said, I don't take this too seriously. Like this is a, this is a band, not a, not a cure for cancer. You know, right. this is a, you know, this is something we do because we all fucking love music and, and are just, internally you know or eternally uh inspired mostly by metal you know what was the last show you guys played 
we were super lucky there too. We played this festival in Mexico City to like a thousand people yeah. with uh with obsessed uh Amon Ra, uh God Mantar. Uh, so we just had this fantastic uh, show, and then flew home, and then the world crashed. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, so again, we you know we we take chances uh, playing kind of one-off shows and just going for it, and that one worked out really well. Solid. So we had you know we had the time of our lives playing the show, and then going to the Aztec pyramids and just hanging out and you know good times. Oh yeah. I really dig your vibe, man. Have you always been like this laid back? Do you approach all of your ventures with this sort of a uh, kind of attitude? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean about me, I'm a, like a California skateboarder surfer. I, so I, I don't like, I never played any high high school sports. I can't throw a ball. Um, I can't, tell you any rules about any sports at all um i was raised you know surfing and skateboarding so i have you know this kind of you know i have that a world view that that took i, so, I mean it's yeah. worked out you know some people like beat themselves to death to get to like a level of success where you're at and it seems like your hand you have channeled it in a very productive constructive and chill artistic way and i think that's uh, pretty admirable well and the the death comes lifting philosophy is is a little bit more alternative than the traditional sport type mentality anyway you know um a lot of this that, that zach has put together is is more casual and is uh i think in a lot of ways I, i'm not going to say less dedicated but dedicated in a different way um, and you mentioned surfing and you mentioned skateboarding. And I also, um, I see some of the pictures that you post on, on social media with some really amazing, uh, views and, uh, places that it looks like you go. Do you, are you a big hiker? Like, what do you do to stay, what do you do to stay active? Uh, well, last year I, uh, I, I tore a tendon in my leg oh, uh, and had to get it, had to get it fixed. So I was out, um, <clears throat> You know, I mean, I have like a, a, a 16 year old son and a, a wife I've been married for like 22 years or something. Awesome. Um, so um, we live in San Diego. Uh, it's, it's very nice here. You know, you can hike down by the beach. There's skate parks everywhere. So we go skating. I mean, to this day, I still skateboard. Mm -hmm. I, I still get uh, humbled by falling uh, constantly. So there's almost a, a Zen-like zen activity to getting your ass handed to you constantly, uh, and and it's the same thing with surfing. You you know, you're just like one wave away from being crushed. Uh, uh, you know, so it's like no matter you got to go humble yourself continually, and uh, you know, act like a beginner to to really grow in any way. That's yeah. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I live in the suburbs of San Diego. Uh, so there's, you know, a lake, a hill. There's, you know, I'm like 10 miles away from the beach. Uh, there's there's all kinds of stuff to do. But I can't skateboard like I used to, uh, at least not for a few months, until my uh, leg heals completely. So I, I got kind of a limp right now. And you guys were pretty close to the fires a couple of years ago, were you not? 
yeah, yeah, my whole city burns down. Where I specifically am in a place called Rancho Bernardo, where like every house burned down. Jesus. But it's 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 yeah. But it, I mean, uh, again, it's like from the outsider, it looks crazy. But it's like they see him coming. They warn everybody. Uh, you just go to the coast, and uh, you know you evacuate, and you come back, and hopefully your stuff's still there. Yeah. Um, and it's and and uh, we I like I've been lucky that it's never happened to me. But you know, there's some neighbors that have newer houses, and there's some empty lots because of shit burned down, and they just <laughs> never had the money or yeah. didn't have insurance. So. Yeah. Kind of like here in South Carolina with hurricanes, man. You sort of exactly. And I, I, uh, I spent a lot of time in Florida. Um, I'm basically from like two places. Yeah. I'm from, uh, I'm from the Florida Keys. Uh, my dad lived there, so every summer I went to Homestead, Florida, and Key Largo, and oh, cool. you know, f- fished and skin dived and stuff. And then in the summer I would skateboard. Uh, you know, and or uh, in the winter I'd skateboard and go to school in uh, Orange County, California. Well, I have another question for you about the music. We can get back to that for a second. I really did. yeah. Sorry, that's what this is about. No, we we oh, go, no, we go everywhere. everywhere, man. Trust we me, get everywhere. We yeah, we do. But the only thing I what I stuck out to me about your record a lot was uh, I surprised myself that I found myself digging the like slower and like mid tempo kind of tunes, and um, you can get real fast and almost kind of punky in a way as well uh, i was wondering which one uh you prefer if you do prefer either style i i i don't prefer i can tell you that's it's very difficult to play very slow yeah um uh, it takes a lot more focus to play painfully slow than to just rip out some riffs fast and you know go any you know 150 beats per minute so absolutely, I, I, I generally, they both have their place in a set. When you see a live band, especially a, a, a metal band that can divvy it up tempo wise, instead of just, I mean, well, I mean, you know, that it's, it makes everything stand out all the more. Yeah. So, absolutely. you know, you gotta, you gotta just, and that's just a general rule. You gotta vary your tempos. If, oh yeah, for sure. Make, you yeah. know, there's, you got a lot of that on this record too. Acid Tongue, I think, is one of the slower ones that you guys have done. And then I've never heard Sixteen do anything like fucking uh, Ride the Waves, man. That is a straight oh, up cool. Napalm Death, like fucking Dio era Sabbath song, like crammed into one. That's sweet. You know what? What what really influenced that song was uh, the band Lock Up. If you yeah. Guys, you guys listen. You guys listen to Lock Up. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was called the Lock Up song for a long time before the lyrics <laughs> came together. The Nick Barker like, comes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're like, that shit, man. Fucking need a lockup song. <laughs> uh, well, with, with sort of the variation in, in speed or the, in tempo, and then also a lot of the other, you know, uh, different places that you guys go with music, whenever you do start playing live again, you know, your role is going to, and I, I, I'm, you've done a couple of live shows on vocals already have you not like like yeah i, I played that big mexico city yeah. thing and I, i've been rehearsing this for like four or five months yeah so it's not like i'm not prepared to do oh, this sure. I, can, yeah. I, I can do it fine i can do it fine 
what um will being on being on guitar and then also singing all of it uh what are what's some of the stuff that maybe you haven't gotten to do that before with with you guys songs that you're looking forward to is there anything in particular um we can pull out some stuff that uh you know for whatever reason chris didn't want to do so we we moved back uh we started doing the song damone uh live again so I mean, I, I like to think we're musicians first, so any uh, I should be able to play any song, even if it's a bad cover. Like I want to, you know, we strive to be those type of musicians, where like if we want to fucking cover a song, we'll learn it in a half hour, and yeah. we're gonna do it, uh, and we should have the range to do it. I mean, at our age and abilities, I think we should be like that. So, um, you know. Uh, I mean, fuck, we even take requests or some people will like email me if we're on tour and say, can you please play this song? And yeah, generally, if, if it's not a tuning thing or an instrument thing, fuck yeah, we'll do it. I don't care. You're going to wish you hadn't told me that. I was going to say, now is your chance, Ruler. I'm going to spam <laughs> you next time you get ready to go on the road. <laughs> what, uh, so... Another thing, you know, I'm, I'm always curious about what changes with, with uh, the way music is created, uh, you know, over a period of time after bands go through lineup changes. Um, and you've talked about that a little bit, but I am curious about sort of the chemistry with you guys' current rhythm section, who it's, it's been a while since you had two albums in a row uh, with the same drummer and the same bass player for one reason or another, whatever that may be. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you hooked up with uh, with Dion and Barney. Uh, I've I've known Dion for like uh, more than maybe twenty years. Um, he used to be in a band in San Diego called Creedal uh, that were a part of like the first wave of San Diego bands with Rocket from the Crip and drive like jehu oh, yeah. so i was i was always very into their scene even when i lived in la i'd go to san diego to a lot of shows because there was so many good bands here um and then and then i ended up working at a skateboard company uh toy machine foundation and zero skateboards uh in the late 90s and early 2000s and uh, dion was our production manager oh cool uh, uh who's in charge of production and, uh, you know, we just bonded over music and jammed a little, uh, uh, you know, um, but so when it came time to, uh, you know, kind of reactivate it after a couple months, uh, he was definitely the first choice. And then he was like, hey, check out my friend Barney. And then Barney comes with quite the pedigree, uh, quite the punk rock credit, uh, pedigree. Um, he played uh, in this uh, SST era, late 80s band and toured the world with uh, this gal named Sylvia Jancola. And so I was already a fan of, of Barney. And then uh, Barney uh, regaled me with like stories about, uh, you know, touring with the Screaming Trees, touring with uh, Rollins Band in Europe, uh, touring with Poison Idea. Uh, you know, and all this shit. And so I was just like, well, you know, and those guys were like more motivated at the time than me. They would be like, when do you want to jam next? And we're going to play, you know, we're going to learn Asian heat and we're going to do this song. And so I was just like, okay, well, this is a thing now. So here we are, you know, 
it's it just kind of happened based on their enthusiasm of pushing me at the point I had become almost indifferent uh, and then you know and then we just started playing shows with those dudes yeah uh, yeah and then uh, you know and here we are uh, kind of still musically evolving it's so cool to have fans of your band in your band that like come to the table with things about the back catalog that they're particularly interested in playing. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is cool. Like, you know, how about this one? And, you know, like we've been playing that, uh, that slow song off of uh blaze of incompetence called real piece of work. I think. Uh, that, and, yeah. If it were up and, to me, man, if it were up to me, that song would close every fucking 16 show for the remainder of the time that you guys play like that, that that's the showstopper. So, you know, we've, we've been playing that. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, like I'm, I'm easy. Let's, let's, let's rock it out. It's not, you know, it's not a big deal. It's fucking let's riff out. And if you guys want to play a song, let's play a song. But yeah. Well, six, 16 is definitely your baby. Um, but you mentioned the other guys, uh, sort of histories as musicians. What what other bands are you guys active in right now? You yourself or anybody else in the band that maybe people listening might want to check out? None right now. This is pretty much I think all anyone has time for uh, musically. Um, I I know Barney, uh, our bass player, uh, definitely plays around in local bands um, and will play like uh, covers gigs. Uh, I think there's one called Ziggy Stardust, like a, D- a David Bowie cover band that they play like, uh, you know, Halloween shows and stuff. Um, but nothing, no serious other part-time bands. Uh, you know, this band practices like three times a week, typically, just because we're into it. You know, yeah. like we're not one of those bands that takes like six months off. Like we, this is just what we do we practice three times a week to fucking hang out and keep writing new songs. I mean, we have, we just released a record and we already have like eight new songs for the next one. Oh shit. Yeah. So we're just, you know, like everything is about momentum. You want to keep momentum in all these areas. And this is just the, the corner we've painted ourselves into to just keep propelling forward, keep, you know, getting getting stoked on new riffs and new shit and you know i love it man i love that work ethic already having half an album written once to today's the day that your record comes out man so that's pretty fucking sweet what uh what how do you um write your riffs typically is it is safe to say every songwriting process is different for you or do you have a formula uh you know Alex has been writing a lot of riffs. He writes them on an acoustic guitar and then brings them to practice and then just shows it to us. Or he demos the whole thing. Um, I demo whole songs uh, using like, you know, easy drummer or send everything uh, on a click. Uh, I, I tend to submit full ideas like this is, and then, and then it becomes open for, rearrangement uh or changes where there's you know redundancy in parts uh, <clears throat> you know sometimes it's better to change a key or something like that mm-hmm. so um you know and, and a lot is just like i just pick up the guitar a lot you know i'm like that guy that like wants to sit on the porch and just fucking 
okay. riff out, you know, I, I, I put on headphones and just riff out every Saturday morning. I pretty much OD on coffee and, and, you know, play, play into the, the iPad using garage band. So like just whatever, uh, you know, I just, one of those dudes that always want to sit on the couch and play guitar and hang out, you know, it's the best way to do it. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? I mean, it, it sounds like the future is is wide open. All of us are kind of in a position where we can't make too many plans. And if you're a band that uh, the tours or a band that, uh, you know, relies on live shows for income or just relies on live shows to keep, like you said, the momentum going, it's not really anything that you can plan for right now. Um, what <laughs> what does the what does the future hold? With, uh, with you know, future live shows being in question and sort of you guys not being able to really make too much of a plan, like what comes next, do you think? Honestly, I think we're probably not going to be the first wave. I think that you're going to have a, uh, in 2021, you're going to have a big wave of bigger bands playing smaller things half full. Yeah. Which, which as a fan, totally excites me. You know, it's like, we're, you know, because the, the promoters aren't going to take chances. They're going to go with full big bands in small places that are, you know, so we're going to be able to see, I think in 2021, a bunch of great shows. Um, personally, uh, we have no definites on the horizon, but we do have very capable team in that area. Um, so you know, they'll let us know. We, we won't, like I said, I'm confident we won't be the first, but we also won't be the last out there, you know? Um, and that's our kind of place in the, the hierarchy. Um, but it also totally stokes me out that like, trust me, like we're going to see like 200 person shows for bands that normally can get a thousand, you know, I, yeah, I think that's really going to happen. Um, and from all the booking people I know, they, nothing is going on in 2020 at all. So, you know, I mean, you know, America is what it is. Uh, Europe is slowly opening things up, but man, they ain't going to open up moshing, <laughs> you know? You wouldn't think so. Like I saw, I saw some show that was reported on in Arkansas not too long ago. It was like a country singer who did the first the first post-corona uh, concert or whatever, and they had these, it's just like one dude on a stage, right? And I assume that a country show is probably not that rowdy anyway, but there were all these like little pockets of, of people like who had to come together. Like if you, you went to the show yeah. with like five other people or whatever, they put you in a pod together and then you guys are all like spaced out throughout the venue. It's just so fucking weird, man. It feels so dystopian. It's, hey, in our lifetime, in our, in our lifetime. Yeah, you know, this is this is crazy. There's bands playing wild. drive-ins out here. They announced like there's bands playing drive-ins out here next uh, next where, week. Where where are you located? I know he's in uh, I'm South in Carolina. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, uh, that's yeah, that's a cool city. It's it's really awesome, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Have you ever played here? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you have a lot. That's actually a stupid question, but if you <laughs> recently, With oh the no. Maybe like five years ago. Um, okay. It was cool though. It was, uh, I think we flew into that city to meet another tour. Awesome. Uh, so I remember I had to hang out in Pittsburgh for like a full day uh, alone. 
And I was, you know, I went to the place with the French fries on the sandwich. There we go. Went to the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, went to, there's, they gentrified the whole area. But, sure. you know, it's not a, not a bad thing. Nah. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing here. Drive-in shows. Which I, I think that's kind of interesting. I mean, what, I would, I would pay to see that. I would be happy to see some of my favorite bands do it. Like, just sit in your car and watch them play. I think it would be fun. Mosh pit in the, in the back. I, I wanted to see. I didn't see that. Uh, is it? Uh, I think you pronounce it Shabalba. Exalted. Yeah, yeah. The like sort of a hard like, metal band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen those guys here in California, and they fucking crush. Yeah, they're super awesome but uh, i gotta watch their live stream of there it looked cool they were playing behind the screens uh, so who knows there might be more of that kind of thing in the next year since you guys get together and practice so often would you be interested in doing something like that with with 16 not i'm not talking about like for us or just like the idea of doing it would that be something you guys would be into yeah yeah we're kind of planning on something like that now where it's like a live in the studio and so we'll go into our friend's recording studio um, and stream and record, you know, 30, 40 minutes of a set. Uh, and so we're going to do that. But we're going to do it in the studio so we have some control over the, the sound. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could be hit or miss if we're not capturing things direct in a good environment. I wouldn't want to, like, stream our practice because it's just earplugs and volcano uh, sounds to, to a camera. Right. Yeah. So. That would be tight. I would definitely look at, into checking something like that out if I saw that you guys were doing that. And I mean, I assume, like you said, you know, you mentioned your team that you've, you've got a, that your band has sort of a, a group of people who are looking out for your best interests, like most bands of any sort of status do. But I know that all of these people whose job it is to keep bands on the road and keep bands making income in whatever way they can, but also sort of getting their name out there and spreading the way that they, that, that's, possible now that social media is sort of the primary way of, of getting in touch with the world. I know that there's got to be a shitload of people behind the scenes right now who are just like racking their brains about what to do for the remainder of 2020. And uh, you know, it's, it, it just, it's just really a bad situation for the, the people's livelihoods that have built these businesses themselves. That's, you know, all these touring guys, uh, these booking agents, they're the real backbone, I think, of the music industry now are the yeah. ones who these promoters in every city that put on shows and anybody who puts on a show. I think that's like the, the tip of the spear for the real music business. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's very tough on them. It sucks. There's, not the, there's no other way around it. Hopefully, we're going to come to some sort of situation where things can can start. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say get back to normal because I just don't think that that is in the cards. But hopefully, people will be able to adapt in a way that they can continue to to do what they love and you know not have to go out and get construction jobs and all that kind of shit. Exactly. Well, from hey, awesome. Well, from. <laughs> Music industry in a, in a band, what is, uh, in your opinion, the best way for those listening to support, uh, you know, underground bands or promoters yeah. or local, just anything? What is your, what's your opinion on the best way to support those kind of people? Right I, now? I don't think that has changed much. Um, and it's, it's always about uh, merch. 
it's always about physical product. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, as an as an artist, the streaming platforms are horrible, but as a consumer, it's amazing. So it's like, oh, you mean all the world's music right here? I mean, that's fucking amazing, you know? So every every time someone buys a t-shirt, that, you know, that's a real profit margin. That's a real way to help any artist. Um, and I, I do the same thing. I'm one of those guys that has like, a hundred metal shirts that I never wear or don't even fit in, but I just keep buying them uh, as a, as a weird collection thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, just to have like, how high is your stack? Yeah. You know? So I, I think that's the, the best way don't buy bootleg shit, but you know, I mean, in this day and age, you can buy stuff right from the artist, right yeah. via their band camp. And, and I still get like, it, it like, you know, uh, every time I'll go out and see a band, I always buy a t-shirt generally because yeah. for one, I don't really drink. Um, not because I've had any significant problems with alcohol. I just don't really enjoy it. So if I'm going to spend money out of the show, I usually just get merch. Support the band. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, what are you going to say, Zach? I was going to ask if you're, if you're into vinyl and how artists do on the uh, sales of vinyl, does that impact you uh, as significantly as a t-shirt or no? Uh, it depends. Um, if you buy vinyl from us personally, that's amazing. Um, and a lot of times, you know, people will contact us and say, Hey, can you like send, can you sign it or something like that? Totally. That's no extra. Awesome. Um, you know, uh, you know, it, it all helps because, um, without the record label, um, their distribution tentacles and press tentacles are so deep and so amazing. We're just honored to be a part of their little machine. Yeah. Uh, so it, it helps. I'm all for those guys having jobs too. Sure. You know, along, along with us. In fact, I almost feel like collectively, uh, the way those guys put out, so I'm talking about relapse in general, yeah. they put out so much good music. Uh, and you know, like I said, the people who did it for money are long gone. So don't tell me they're not, you know, they're not putting out the new album by whoever to get rich. Yeah. They're doing well, it for hey, their crazy fans as well. It's been, it's been really cool as a, a long time fan and supporter of relapse, uh, going all the way back to, I think, like Prowler in the Yard, um, to see how they've diversified so much over just like the last 10 years, I think. You've got, you know, bands who are, they're, they're still signing and putting out fucking ridiculous death metal shit like Outer Heaven, and then you've got bands like Nothing who are putting out, you know, sort of dreamy, like pop, pop rock records. You know? Yeah. It's pretty yeah, totally. part of a collective yeah. like that, but then also to see band, like you said, nobody's in it necessarily for the money anymore. It's, it's great when people can, can do this in any capacity and, and, and scrape by, you know, financially. Um, but it is cool to have seen labels like relapse sort of branch out uh, and start grabbing up good bands that they, that they know that they can stand behind rather than just like sort of stay niche as like a, you know, a death metal record label or a sludge label or something like that. And don't get me wrong, I support labels that do uh, just yeah. one thing too. But, you know, it's, I, I, I like the path that they've taken. I like always being able to feel good about supporting Relapse. 
Yeah, you know, the, the labels have just become the, the new curators. Yeah. It's like, you know, if, if certain labels put it out, I'm generally into it. Same. You know, Absolutely. For the most part. Absolutely. It's like I trust their taste making skills. Yeah. Uh, and that, that goes to the gamut of a bunch of labels. Mm-hmm. That's definitely, we've, we've entered a new age of, uh, specifically in death metal, um, of boutique labels that I think that you can trust. Uh, you know, just over the last couple of years and the way they've sort of propagated over Bandcamp and been able to uh, spread in ways that I think were a little bit more difficult back in the 90s and the early 2000s when the internet was either non-existent or so new that nobody knew what to do with it, you know? Yeah, very true, very true. Well, man, I know that you got a busy day um, and we thank you so very much for talking to us. This has been uh, an honor for me. Uh, we got one question that we always ask of everybody before we close the podcast. And very I got important. to know, specifically, uh, given your history and the music that you make, what is your favorite Black Sabbath record? Hmm. It's always a good sign when we ask somebody that and they're like, shit, I got to think about this for a minute. Yeah, feel free to take your time. It happens a lot. It's a bomb. Um, drop on the end. Probably Sabotage. Me too. Oh, Sabotage. yeah. You and Zach in the fucking Sabotage camp together, man. Right, that's it. I Excellent. think Megalomania is one of the best songs of all time. That's a, That's like one of the few songs I think deserves to be like, above seven minutes in a metal record or whatever you know they're they're just one of those things like the i mean i'll rock headless cross i don't care it's all fucking rips tony martin black fucking rips man yeah yeah and hopefully we're getting to a place where we that that sort of gets rediscovered because apparently those guys can still make music or what anyway we'll see what happens with that but uh, congratulations on Dream Squasher. Um, it's been great talking to you, finally. Um, and we wish you guys the absolute best in whatever comes next, man. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Right brother. on, man. All right. Hey. Take care, guys. Take it easy, Bye-bye. man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you, man. What a good dude. Yeah, he was real fucking cool. Doesn't it always, like whenever you like meet your idols or whatever and i know that you go to like a lot of cons and stuff like that so you probably get this feeling too but like isn't it tight whenever you meet somebody whose art has had like a major impact on your life and they turn out to be just like a super chill like laid-back person yeah it's awesome and it's and you know like something like this means more than like a convention's almost like a cheap way of meeting your idols because then yeah. you know a lot of them, I think, feel like it's a job. I'm being paid shit ton to be here, so I like have to be nice to you. Like yeah. that guy, you could tell that dude was just genuinely just chill as fuck. And I and I didn't know too much about him, but like I'm way more of a fan just because he was awesome. Yes, it is. It is always good to like know that you support somebody and then meet them or whatever, and find feel even better about that on the other end of the meeting. I could have talked to him for 45 minutes about sabotage. But. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Maybe that'll be, that can be like a future sub version of, of riffs and lifts and lifts and riffs is like, we'll come back. Just, just talk to one person about fucking like Sabbath. Be yeah. like, so uh, we recall when you gave us the answer on your favorite Sabbath record last time we spoke, we're going to talk about that today for two hours. And then like, it would probably work. It would work. Absolutely. Because we could have went on that Tony Martin conversation for another podcast. Dude, I will fucking stand by Tony Martin Black Sabbath to my death because that shit rips. 
Headless Cross just needs a proper release. Headless Cross, yeah, like it would be great to be able to find all that shit and not have to pay an arm and a leg to get a copy of it on, uh, you know, Discogs or whatever. And then I don't think any of the Tony Martin era shit is streaming anywhere. Um, no, not at all. It's wild. It's wild to me how many people are fans of the band that, that never even knew that era existed. And like I started off as one of those people. Like my dad got me into Black Sabbath when I was a kid. Um, and then when I was in high school, like I found out after Ozzy was in Black Sabbath, there was like another dude that sang for him, some guy named Dio. And I was like, what the fuck is this shit? And I went and checked it out. And I was like, man, this shit fucking rules. Oh, yeah. um, and then you continue to find out later and later, like there's all these hidden chapters of Sabbath. And I know that, uh, uh, you know, hopefully she doesn't hear the. Uh, obviously she's not going to hear it, but hopefully none of her uh, minions hear it and report us. But I'm sure that Sharon Osbourne is the reason why we don't get a whole lot of, of exposure to uh, that era of Sabbath because she's got an iron grip on the rights. And if you want, she wants, she wants any conversation about Sabbath to be a conversation about Ozzy too. And you know, this is capitalism. So what are you going to do about that? But if you're out there and you're only familiar with Ozzy era Sabbath. And for that matter, only Dio era Sabbath or just those two. There's like three other dudes who sang for that band's on uh, that band on records, and all that shit rips. You need to check it out. Like right now, like yesterday. Like I'm surprised yeah. you made it this far. If you if they haven't, you know, yeah. quit fucking around and wasting your life, and go and listen to Tear, uh, from beginning to end, and then tell me the drums at the beginning of Heaven in Black don't blow your fucking mind. You're lying if you say that they don't. I'm ready, man. I'm always fired up for a Sabbath Sunday after we record these on Fridays generally. So Fridays or Saturdays. So it's, it's coming up. It's right around the bend. And that's my perfect opportunity for it's going to be a Tony Martin Sabbath Sunday. We've decided it right here. I think so. I think that it needs to be. I think that the, the state of the world could use some fucking the state of our country uh, could use some positive Tony Martin vibes right now. Bro, it, it could use so many vibes from every Sabbath record ever. It's so fucked. I mean. I personally, I would like to hear your opinion on this too. I don't really post too much, like, and I'm sure you've noticed in the realm of like politics or like, you know, people doing like Blackout Tuesday or whatever. Like, I didn't. Like, I, I just, I feel like it's not Death Comes Lifting's like place to do that. I just want like to be a fun escape for people and just like keep doing my thing. But like, it's re- it really fucks with me sometimes, man. You know? Well, I think. I think that it is, you know, and, and as a person who feels that way sometimes too, um, I think it's really important for us to be able to recognize that like that, that's a privilege that we have to be able to say, yeah. uh, I don't feel like, I don't feel like fucking dealing with this today or whatever. Like you and I can do that. And a lot of people who feel that way can do that, but there is a massive portion of the population of people who are Americans who are just as American as we are and matter just as much as we do, uh, who don't get to do that. You know, they walk out the door and this is the world that they face, the reality that they face every single day. And so, you know, for the people who are listening, um, and then just for myself as well, because I need to be reminded of this constantly, like there is a portion of our society that needs our help. And when we say that, we're not saying that you haven't struggled. We're not saying that you haven't had to overcome things and you haven't had a hard life. That's not what privilege means, right? Um, It means that just the baseline is different. Uh, And I think that if we can 
if we can get to a place where we can understand that, uh, then we'll be able to sort of move forward as a society in a way that we're just not doing right now, right? Um, and that's, that's. Well, I, I think music's the best way. <laughs> that's yeah, I point. think, and, that's and being able to find, being able to find common ground and, and being able to relate to people in, a, in, in that way, I think is a, is a great way to start, you know? At the, at the end of the day, it takes some sort of action uh, in order to make the, the social change that you wanna see uh, happen. But just beginning by, you know, listening to, to black artists, um, uh, paying attention to their contribution to the music that you enjoy. There's uh, Patrick from uh, Crypticus retweeted something the other day about, um, I think it was yesterday actually, about uh, Mike and Terry, Mike and Terrence from Suffocation. Uh, and basically how like, without these two dudes, these two black musicians, uh, a lot of what we know about technical death metal and, and brutal death metal simply would not exist, you know, and, and acknowledging that and embracing it, I think, is a great place to start, regardless of how you felt in the past and regardless of how you feel now. Of course. And for me, and I, I know you know me and you know Death Comes Lifting and, you know, I've had classic black artists on my playlist and I listen yeah. to them every day of my life. So I feel like it's, it's no, like for people that are just discovering this now, like, I feel like I'm not in that camp and I, I've always been flying that flag, you know? So now like, and it, it's, it's just fucked up. I'm just talking about it cause it's therapeutic for me to talk to you. Yeah, about sure. It. Honestly, yeah. man. And, I get you. you know, I feel, I feel like being a, some sort of social media account that people look to, you know, we don't have tens of thousands of followers or anything like that, but some sort of prominence there is a pressure that comes along with that, especially during times like this, you know? And um, I just don't want, if I, if I don't post anything that like everybody else is, like I don't, I hope people aren't taking that like the wrong way and they, they know where I stand. And I just feel like anybody that knows death comes lifting and anybody you and I associate with, sure. like if we're friends, you know where we stand on the matter. You know? One, one would hope so. Uh, and, and it's, it's also definitely a social commentary about the world that we live in where being worried about alienating anybody because you, you say something like that also speaks volumes, I think. Um, and I can't speak for anybody except myself, but for myself, and as far as I'm concerned, Black Lives Matter, uh, we are in a very scary and, uh, you know, like you said a little while ago, um, for people who are just now sort of getting their eyes opened to this or whatever, I think that it's really easy in, in internet culture. Um, if you haven't been a part of something for a long time to feel like maybe you're doing something wrong or you're doing something bad. And there will be people who will tell you that that is the case. But for me, for my part, which is a very insignificant part and which as a straight white educated male is probably not a message that needs to be heard coming necessarily from me because there are black voices that we can amplify who can, who can give this message as well if you didn't care if you didn't care a year ago but you care now that's good if you didn't care two weeks ago but you care now that's that's good if you didn't care last week but you care now if you didn't care yesterday but you care now that that doesn't make you a bad person that that means that you're growing um and and growth is good and and you can feel good about about changing and about starting to care, but you know, after you do that, it's time to act. It's time to do something in whatever way that you can. And everyone's sphere of influence is different, 
Everyone's ability to act is different. You might be in a place where there's no sort of physical protest you can do. You may be immunocompromised. You may be ill um, or, or easily susceptible to illness and not want to get out and do any kind of protesting stuff with, with the COVID pandemic going. Uh, you might not have any money that you can donate, but if you are, if you were curious about any way that you can help, all you got to do is just open up fucking Twitter, open up Instagram and start scrolling through stuff. And right now there is enough visibility that you will see places where you can get involved in one way or another. Absolutely. And listen to Black Sabbath and just send out love. Listen to Black Sabbath, send out love, you children of the grave. Um, and hopefully the next time that we get together and, and talk again, there will be some, some good news that we can share. There will be. Thanks, yeah. man. This, that, that was great, man. This, you, you crushed this podcast, by the way. Thank you. Thank you, man. I was really nervous. I'm not going to fucking lie to you. Like, I, uh, no, but I, I just kind of sat back like Dracula and just like let it unfold. And I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally appreciated it, man. You, uh, it, it was great. It's gratifying for me to see you get so much enjoyment out of this. Thank you, man. I'm grateful for you. Back at you, bro.